So, let me tell you something that you should have already realized by now about this fucking show you're listening to. This shit is supposed to be for mature audiences. As in grown-ups, mentally mature. It's supposed to talk about adult subjects in an adult frame of mind. It's not fucking that at all. This is two emotionally regressed, broken half-wits pretending to offer insight on movies. All they really offer you is an endless sexual perversion and a laundry list of personal paraphilia issues. You can make your own choices in life, but you have to choose this as entertainment. You know you're better than this. You have to know you are better than listening to Cinema Psyops.
Welcome to the 332nd episode of Cinema PsyOps. That is 332 consecutive weeks of this mediocrity and bullshit endless pattern of two emotionally regressed broken halfwits pretending to offer you insight into a movie. I'm your host, Court, one of the two pre-mentioned broken halfwits, and the other all the way across the city of Omaha in his bunker is my co-host, Matt. I mean, did you have to hit the nail on the head like that? I mean, broken down halfwits. <laughs> you, must be, you must be in a good mood. I'm a halfwit? Usually I'm a quarterwit. Oh, you've learned so much over the years of doing this show, and you've actually grown as a person to where you've actually ascended into halfwit. Did you just assume how much of a person I've grown as? How dare you, sir? You're in a woke space. Thank you. Weird flex, bro. Right? I don't know where that was going. <laughs> I think I just keep thinking about our intro, and the guy goes, you have to know you're better than Cinema PsyOps. I'm like, I don't have to know shit, motherfucker. <laughs> don't assume about how much I need to know. <laughs> well, I wanted a very disappointed-sounding fatherly figure talking, and- You 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 nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> I feel bad every day we get ready to do this shit. <laughs> I know, right? Like, every time I'm doing this, I'm like, why do people listen to this? Oh my god, we really are the worst. What is wrong with yeah. us? That guy still sounds completely fucking just disappointed in us constantly. <laughs> no matter how much we do, the disappointed dad yep. voice that was recorded for us by the amazing Ryan Lewis will never let us live down the fact that they have to now, know they're better than us. They're better than listening Papa, to this. Papa, do you love us now? Do you love me, Papa? <laughs> Oh, this has turned into a really, really weird sequence of uh, events happening. The film this week, speaking of weird coincidences of sequences that happen that also make you feel like you need a hug afterwards, we're doing Rest in Pieces this week, which is Jose Ramon Larraz coming back on the scene for Cinema PsyOps. And this uh, particular film is very confusing. Oh, yeah. It's, um... It's up there, man. Uh, you feel like you're someplace and then you end up somewhere else and then you don't know what the end game is because they never really explained what their end game is in any sort of like definity. Yeah, Rest in Pieces almost feels like Jose Ramon Larraz looked at the film Pieces and went, hold my beer, I can make something even more confusing with the name Pieces in the title. Yeah, right? It just It's just like, let me, let me help you guys be so massively fucking confused confused that you'll never be found ever again. That's kind of where I feel like I am right now. Yeah, I feel like they were targeting ethereal and dreamlike in the film, but for me I'm just lost and confused, so I'm hoping that between your notes my memory of what I watched your balls and this drawer we can figure it out. I'm just like not to be totally ripping off the Big Lebowski but I do feel like a young child that's just wandered into a conversation I'm definitely out of my fucking element Well, I quoted fucking Dragnet starring Tom Hanks and uh, <laughs> so, so we're all there and Dan Aykroyd. So I mean, like it's getting weirder and weirder as this show goes on, and I have no yeah, idea. I, I don't think it ain't gonna get any better neither. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the list of torturous things that are gonna happen to your balls with this drawer only continue after this. Why does it have to be my balls? This will keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? 
not that, but also yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. That is Peter and Gordon. I go to pieces for those of you listening on the pirate radio edit. So because of the nature of the film where it jumps around not only in space and time, but also in within its own story continuity and reality of various other movies that we're about to discuss when we actually fucking get there. I decided just to basically grab whatever song had anything to do with the term pieces, whether it was falling to pieces or it contained the illusion that someone at some point was taking other people apart piece by piece. So we're going to be ranging from Peter and Gordon like we have here all the way to fucking Slayer, folks. It's going to get weird. Yeah, good. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, like, that's just how this movie goes. It's so fucking weird. We don't even have a trailer to segue with. So let's just fucking go. Really? No, no trailer trailer at yeah, all? No, I couldn't find one except for like some fan-made film that used the same name. Wow. All right, then. Uh, rest in pieces. Uh, we start, there's a funeral happening. Uh, so, you know, what a way to start a movie. Death. So, you know, I guess we're all having a good time right now. Um, it is a horror but, movie, for fuck's sakes. I mean, they almost yeah. always start this way somehow. They should, yeah. I mean, you would think it's supposed to be a, a scary movie or some shit. So, yeah, of course shit should, you know, be fucking weird. Um, so anyway, uh, then the, the lady and her husband, they're kind of checking out and it's an older woman in her casket and, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, how fucking sad or whatever. Um, and so, uh, anyway, the lady pops up from her coffin and seems to even possibly try to, uh, murder our, our heroine, uh, if, you know, and, and try to get her. And that doesn't seem so great. Uh, anyway, uh, everyone seems to kind of, you know, uh, get things going, get, get back together. And okay. Then- okay. Hang on. She pops up out of her coffin, her eyes open up and it looks like she's trying to yeah. grab the lady. Then the mortician 
physician quickly hurries her away and they start pushing the body back down and resetting it and everything. And he explains it by yeah. saying that pen up gases and muscle reflexes or something like that. And right after that particular group of scenes that you just had, you know, passed over is where I'm yeah. starting to dread like, holy fuck, what are we in store for? Because no, right? Because yeah, this is uh, that's a that's a moment like it could be bad. Yeah, that moment is like a moment where I'm like, oh, come on. That is really just cornball. Yeah. Yeah. So even and then you're sitting there, you're like, oh, I wonder if that actually happened. Was it in her fucking head? No, that shit happened. You know, that's a that's a happening thing right now. Right. And then it's so easily explained away with like pseudo bullshit science that like I'm really having a hard time pressing my I believe button and willingly suspending my disbelief at this point. Uh, Me too. I'm like, well, I mean, all that seems, I don't know, fucking dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I'm starting off the film in kind of a sour mood and it has to win me back after this. I do have to say that. Yeah, it's going to have to win me back. Uh, Anyway, the Keats, the two kids, they meet up with our lawyer and that is our first clip. I don't want to appear melodramatic, but what you are about to see is rather, how shall I say your aunt, Mrs. Boyd, died in unusual circumstances. You didn't mention any of this in your letter. No, I didn't. I thought it's best not to mention it at that stage. I didn't want to alarm you unduly. You were going to learn to fool Fox in the course anyway. I don't follow you. Your aunt suffered a mental breakdown. And, uh, well, the point is, she committed suicide in front of a video camera. This tape is her last will and testament after a function. Hello, Helen. You, you can't imagine the, the aching I feel in my bones. It, it, it hurts so that... I can scarcely bear it. And yet, I know that as you're watching these pictures, you're sitting there with your sweet husband, impatiently awaiting your inheritance. Uh, Do you realize that it's been 20 years since the last time we met? As a child, you were the spitting image of your mother. The sister I hated. You should have been my daughter, you know. But uh, your mother tried to steal away the only man I ever loved. But she failed. You know, I've never forgotten you, Helen. And so I'm bequeathing you all my fortune. You're going to inherit all my worldly possessions. Strict nine. After I drink this, you are going to be richer than you ever imagined. Ta-ta. Should have been there by now. I still can't believe what's happening to us. <laughs> Yesterday, we're living in a studio in Van Eyes. We've got, what, $2,000 in our savings account with me working 10 hours a day. And today, we're millionaires. <laughs> but don't you think it's odd the lawyer didn't want to come with us? Ah, what do we need him for? First, I think we should buy a condo in the marina, then a yacht. Bob, I doubt we'll have that much money. What are you talking about? 
Your aunt said you'd have more money than you'd ever dream of, and I mean, the lawyer said she was incredibly rich. Well, I'll never have to teach tennis again, that's for sure. Let's stop at the next town, check these directions. All right. Everybody's still uh, awake like, after that? Yeah, right. Yeah, get ready. That's not even the longest clip we got. <laughs> Shit gets real after I didn't get any uh, clips last week. <laughs> yeah, I just found uh, one that's like almost five minutes. Yeah, dude, listen, there's a lot of important dialogue in this goddamn flick, all right? <laughs> okay, I understand those terms as in separately, but when you put it together as important dialogue in this flick, rest in pieces, I'm confused. <laughs> Okay, I am. All right, well. Pertinent I mean, to the story, yes. Yeah, there you go. How about that? Pertinent to this particular story is what I'm talking about. Right, that I can agree with, and we can move on. All right, there we go. <laughs> um, so they find this couple, or these two people, and they tell them where to find the place. So they get up there. Uh, uh, so then uh, they meet uh, the butler and the maid, uh, and, you know, they show them around. Uh the the maid is like, wow, I almost feel like I know you because you look just like your mother. And, you know, they show a picture of 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 said mom so uh you and yeah she looks just like her her mom and so that's kind of eerie you know everyone's kind of acting all fucking weird and shit like that um uh and then uh so the butler isn't happy about having to help the niece he seems to be kind of a dick about it all and uh they check out the property a bit look at a lot of old cars and everything and the couple meet back up and that's our next clip can't believe all those expensive cars in the garage. What do you think she used them for? Uh, who knows? I'll bet there'll be a lot more surprises, though. Well, didn't you tell me that your aunt was locked up in a nut house once or something? Yeah, but that was before I was born. Why was she committed? I really don't know. My mother didn't like to talk about Aunt Catherine. It was as if something bothered her. Then one day she confessed that she was afraid of her, even as a child. She used to take her toys and break them. Hmm. Evidently, she was a violent child. <laughs> Just like you, huh? How dare you call me violent? Oh, very violent. Repeat that. Go on. What? Very, very violent. Very very violent you dominate me you make me suffer <laughs> my mission in life cause hours and hours of suffering i kept that last little part in there for all you masochists out there you're welcome <laughs> Uh, so, uh, and later on, the lady, she stops the fooling around because, hey, she has to take a bath. And so she gets in the bath and she soaps up. So thank you, movie. Yeah. Um, kind of one of the only bits of uh, nudity that we get that's, that's okay. Yeah. That's, that's all right. The, the rest of it's not even worth talking about because usually some bad shit's going on while, uh, while that's, uh, out there. So, you know, fuck it. Then all of a sudden, as she's taking her bath, like the shower curtain starts, like it drops in it. Oh, Almost, it's like starting to, it, well, not almost, it's starting to drown her. So uh, this becomes uh, rather fucking worrisome. And she's able to get out, but while she's fighting, she actually sees her aunt in a weird sort of vision way. Um, so that's that's probably not good. 
I would probably leave the house if that's, you know, what's going on. Just uh, just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, if you almost know. drown and see your aunt's ghost at the same time, that's not good. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty bad. It's uh, that's usually something that's uh, not going to, you know, bold well for you. So anyway, after that, uh, she, you know, they calm her down and they go looking for food. And the maid and the butler come in and are looking. And that's our next clip. I was just looking for you. I thought you might be hungry. Starving is more like My name is Bob. I'm Lisa, and this is Lewis. Are all the neighbors American? Not everybody. Stuart Whitmore's British. He's our writer, a bit of a celebrity in his day. Book of the Month Club and all that. Reverend Flaherty's such a pain. He makes us sing hymns every day. But when he preaches, I could listen to him all day. Irish, of course. David Hume is from Los Angeles. Some people say he's mad, but he's not. He's quite brilliant. And like a lot of blind people, he seems to have a special gift, a sixth sense. Gertrude and Jack, of course, you've already met. Jack's a bit simple, but she knows how to take care of him. And then there's Dr. Anderson, where he takes care of all of us. We have a very special relationship with Dr. Anderson. Oh, yes. And then there's Lewis. He's not as fierce as he looks. My dear friends, this is the first time that we meet since the untimely departure of our kind benefactress, Catherine Boyle. She decided to leave our company, but her unexpected absence puts us all in an extremely difficult situation. Dr. Anderson has more to say about this. Thank you, Reverend Flaherty. Until Mrs. Boar's wishes are fulfilled, we must proceed with the utmost care. Let's not forget, we will be homeless if we're not allowed to stay here. Mrs. Boyle would never let that happen. I'm afraid it could, Mrs. Klein. Catherine's niece and her husband have arrived. Can't afford to take unnecessary risks. That's why I suggest we cancel tonight's concert. Oh. oh. Well, maybe we can still have the concert, but we'll have to uh, change the ending. Who wants to have a concert under those conditions? Yes, Dr. Anderson, you've, you've always insisted that that type of therapy was essential for us. Well, that's true, but what... Mrs. Boyle agreed and personally hired the quartet for us. Jack's getting nervous. If we don't have the concert tonight, I can't be responsible for his actions. All right. We should pay a visit now to Catherine's niece. Reverend Flaherty and Mr. Whitmore will accompany me. We're so glad to have you here as our new neighbors. Now that your aunt has passed away, there are six of us occupying eight chalets. There's only six of you and us. Who occupies the vacant house across the street? No one, really. It's just not being rented at this time. Your aunt was very fond of that particular house. I've been going over some of these papers. Uh, there's something you can help me out with. Perhaps we can? I see that uh, there's a lot of bills that we need to pay, but uh, I don't show any rent being paid by anyone. Rent. But we've never had to pay any rent here. Oh, 
We were sure the lawyer would have told you that. No, he didn't. We are guests here. So you paid no rent? That's right. Catherine was a very generous woman. And there are no bank statements here. Where did she keep her money? Mrs. Boyle never trusted banks. Her failing health kept her from leaving the premises. She kept all her money somewhere in eight manors. Where? We don't know where. So much money hidden away. Well, we've got to be going now. We have a concert to attend. Jesus. Well, that's, that's the end of that 20 minutes. Okay, but all the dialogue was pertinent to this story. Yes, all of the dialogue is pertinent to what's going on in the story, but can you explain to me what the fuck is going on in the story? No, not at all, but I mean, Jesus Christ, what else are we gonna do? All right, what do we know for sure? Um, the ant well, killed herself on camera, the, and yeah, this- the ant killed herself on camera. Apparently she was in great pain. Uh, she's had numerous guests who live in her home rent-free, and they have plans and shit is happening, and the group who's staying there's quite eclectic if you will yeah there's some real sus weirdos and yeah everyone here is sus (laughs) yeah and the way that they're discussing things they're clearly talking in code about something pretty nefarious you can tell and the husband is money hungry right now they were poor and he don't want to be poor no more he's not just money hungry he's like obsessively sickly like miserly grossly wanting to swim in gold obsessed with money he's like he's scrooge mcduck right now and he wants to jump into his fucking silo of gold coins he's like scrooge mcduck before scrooge mcduck actually becomes a good person when he became the the miser that he was that got him where he is I'm going to tell you right now, even miserly Scrooge McDuck look, it's, looks at this guy and goes, wow, man, settle it down. All right. I love money, too. Let's just let's just cool it out, though. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's pretty fucking bad. Um, yeah. So, like, he wants to be there for that reason alone. And then they know that the money's got to be somewhere because there was no bank account or something like that. And like the yeah, story there's no bank. Right. The story's chugging along. But, like, there's a lot of stuff that they're trying to hint at. And yeah, it feels like they're going in one direction but then it goes into a completely different one but the the way that it's kind of doing this right now is it's setting up this sort of drama where you think the tenants are going to try and get rid of the young couple so that they can stay in the house because they want to continue to live there rent free yeah that's exactly how it feels yeah and you also feel that perhaps what they're talking about is they're leading an extravagant lifestyle on the ant's dime because they know how to spend or where the money is to be able to spend it and these kids don't and they're also threatened by that that's what you feel like they're trying to set up here yeah i'll i'll completely agree with that yeah definitely and the opposite of what they actually are setting up you're only aware of that they are setting it up when hearing the clips while doing the review after watching the movie for the first time yeah because you think to yourself that none of this was ever set up but it is actually hinted at so the things that they were talking about and all the things that they were referencing they do kind of play out but we're not quite sure why still no matter what so if you're looking for answers with this fucking movie we got none yeah we got none yet and so you know just calm it down all right (laughs) we'll get there yeah but probably not uh we will conceptualize as best we can with the information that we're given but currently all we know is these kids are in danger because these folks that live there rent free seem to want to harm them yeah possibly because they want to continue to live there rent free yeah something yeah i mean 
that's very right. I, I got nothing else to say on that. Uh, we're just fucking, we're in the middle of the, we're in the thick of it right now. That's as close as what I can figure as to what the fuck is going on, because the movie's not going to tell us much more than that. No, nope, not at all. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Maybe someday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like they were going for this like ethereal dreamlike quality to the film that they then didn't put in the hazy, weird feeling the whole time that they should have. Yeah. Yeah. I got you there. Yeah. Fuck, man. This whole movie's fucking confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it's supposed to be surrealistic. Like everything, even from the beginning, you're not supposed to really feel like is supposed to be natural, normal life. Everything is yeah. supposed to be sort of hazy and dreamlike, but it feels so realistic in the way that it's shot and presented that you don't get get that sensation so maybe they also intentionally just want you disoriented the whole time too i don't know but that's all i'm getting right now yeah yeah me too um fuck it's strange right <laughs> yeah i just i have i can't draw a bead on anything with the movie that's why i'm trying it's hard to be for so me to put anything in yeah with any i i can't really put anything into words right now for as confusing as everything is <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> like I said, I'm going to try and piece it together the best I can. Maybe we should just move on to the next 20. We probably should. All right. So the next 20, uh, there is a performance, like a little orchestra. They're playing some songs. Everyone's fucking really enjoying it. They're getting into it. What's These with that guy's really fucking like... Nazi uniform the whole time? Jesus, why didn't yeah, I notice yeah, yeah. it right off the bat? Yeah. He, the motherfucker. And I didn't notice it at first until I rewatched it. But in the notes later on, I go, and all of a sudden, now there's a Nazi around. But I guess, no, it's it was there for a while. So, but... But as soon as they cut the to him in about? the concert, he's wearing it the whole time. And if I were those musicians, I wouldn't have played for them. I would have turned around and left yeah, the minute yeah. I saw that. The minute I saw it, I'd be like, nope, fuck it. We got to get the fuck out of here. Why? There's literally a Nazi here. We we can't play music to Nazis. That <laughs> shit sucks. Right. This <laughs> I mean, is clearly not a costume party. And even if it was, I'm not playing to that man. That That's that's a way not cool costume. Uh, you know, that's... That's the kind of shit that needs to go away now. So anyway, um, they're all watching and enjoying it. Um, later on, uh, as the concert's going, the uh, couple are also boning in their bedroom. So, I mean, that's good for them. Good job. You know, that, that seems lovely for them. Uh <laughs> It was an interesting sex scene, but um, yeah, I do want to just basically state the slow motion filming of this sequence feels to me that this is where LaRaz's most attention was in the making of this movie. Yeah. The man can film an erotic sequence like nobody's fucking business and clearly enjoys doing it because this is my highlight of the film and not just because it's two people fucking. It's because it's so beautifully shot and so expressive and romantic the way that they're doing it. Like they do those spinning bed shots with the camera, but they're clearly moving the camera around and the actress yeah. whips her hair around and presents her body and you know it's very over dramatic and very clearly a staged sex scene but it's directed really beautifully and was actually pretty far ahead of its time you didn't see quality of the uh overly romanticized sex scene like this until like later on in the mid 90s era of like the erotic thriller quote unquote yeah uh, yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a, it's it's an interesting talking point that I needed to bring up. And then also, damn. Damn, yeah. Thank you, movie. Thank you, movie. Uh, well, anyway, uh, later on that night, the husband gets up and he starts looking through the closet. And the closet seems to be not in the order of, of which it was before, which is something that the even the wife had mentioned earlier. Um, 
Anyway, we can tell we, he's getting up to go looking for the money. Uh, he's looking around and looking around, and he sees what looks like a trap door in the kitchen. And he opens it up, and it goes right down to the cellar. Uh, well, he finds this room full of raps, uh, rats and gross produce. Like, just terrible fucking shit. And some really creepy-looking so, albino fucking rats, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was It's it's gross shit. Yeah. So then uh, the wife wakes up, and she's looking out her window. And she sees her aunt standing there. Uh, then all of a sudden, as she's looking around, this piano on its own keeps playing the same fucking chord as she goes looking for her husband. Uh, as she uh, looks around, uh, the phone starts ringing. Uh, she picks it up, and it's nothing but a heavy breather. And that's, you know, fucking, that's just kind of awkward and shit. And creepy. Um, and creepy. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing that. That's fucked up. Anyway, she hangs it up, and then she goes outside, and dogs are barking at her, but she sees a red scarf flying. She follows it, and she sees the garage is open with the car lights on. She thinks her husband's in there. She goes in there, and the door shuts. Well, anyway, we cut back to the concert ending, and the band wants to get paid. And the group's telling them, hey, the lady of the house will be here, Mrs. Boyle. She'll pay you soon. And they're like, no, she won't be back. The one of the doctor, and he's like, one of us will pay you. Don't worry. As they're talking to him, the group is getting out a ton of knives. Um, And uh, then uh, as they all get their knives, they start just slicing and fucking dicing this fucking uh, orchestra. Just killing the shit out of them. So, ow, right? I just want to state that when this happened, I was very joyous and excited because it's really gruesome. It was completely it out of nowhere. I was not expecting it in any way, shape, or form. And if you can pull off a twist like this in 1987 and you have this kind of a shocking, weird, just unexpected, out-of-the-blue twist moment that you were setting up but you weren't really setting up to make make it obvious, if you can pull that off, you're, you're doing an excellent job. So this part of the film really got me intrigued and I gotta say like I forgave the dumb shit at the beginning that really angered me I forgave a lot of the weird fucking sort of off kilter acting that felt sort of stinted from our main characters um, who are both clearly not the greatest at their job for this um, all of the older folks that are in the crew that are the weird folks I'm digging them so like this murdering sequence actually won me over and I kind of sat back and relaxed because it was so shocking and so weird and they went completely out of left field from what I was expecting where I'm like, all right, so you were setting me up this entire time for this work and my God, did it work? So I'm going to trust you for just a little bit more now, movie. You've earned my respect because God damn, that worked. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was pretty gnarly scene. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I wasn't um, expecting it at all. And it just comes out of the blue. It feels like you're watching this sort of. It is violent, man. It is fucking violent. Yeah, it looks you feel like you're watching for the most part without like the sex sequences and the obvious nudity of the main actress. You're getting like the acting level of like a kid's movie kind of thing yeah. where they purposely make it a little broad and corny so kids will laugh, you know, and the facial expressions are a little over the top and everything like that. And then it just swings at this moment and pivots into this full grown like, nope, fuck you moment that really fucks with your head. And yeah, and also it really fucks with you because it's like they're so happy to be murdered. Yeah, it's really like, disturbing. smiles on their faces. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm angry. They're, they're, this is what makes them happy. Yeah, and then the film pulls back from this and like shows it in widescreen where you can really see the havoc and then it goes in these really wide angle lenses where it becomes distorted and like the the, the image just becomes kind of warped and off kilter around the edges and then they're moving the camera around while they're doing that in this widescreen and watching this in the theater room in my house those sequences 
were overwhelming and kind of horrifying and just like really kind of disturbing for me just because of the way that they did it and it was all quick and everything and I'm just like yeah. I, I could not believe that this was a 1987 movie because it felt so uh, closer to uh, stuff that was like in the 60s with the experimental editing and everything but then pushing disturbing content that would come much later like this feels like the nihilistic 20 aughts kind of gruesome gore that yeah. they're mixing in with it you know and like just really serious brutality so it's just this really just kind of intense moment and I we have to talk about it because it's definitely something that it, it it's changes one of the bigger moments of this movie yeah it literally changes like the, it's, there's, it changes everything because it's a completely sh- mood shifting tone shifting shock where it just literally yeah. slaps you in the face and says I mean, it ain't that kind of movie you, you already kind of suspected that these groups were kind of sus and shit but i mean oof. yeah now they're all gleeful murdering bastards and you hear them talk about it earlier you might overlook it when you first watch the movie but one of the people actually says to the doctor it's a part of our therapy like they're promised to do it they need this for the release they have to do it so basically they're yeah. hauled up here murdering people as a way to get better yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> yeah, that's fucked, man. Like, that's really yeah. creepy if you think about it, too. You know, so there's there's some shit that you will gain more appreciation for if you watch this movie more than once. Absolutely. But you have yeah. to let this work happen for you enough to where you're like, shit, I got to watch this again. Because if you don't, it won't work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're... You are exactly right about that, but oof, what a, what a fucking, uh, monstrous fucking shit to happen there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty fucking intense and, uh, I really dug it. I don't know if this was like an unrated version, like it was never released like this before, or if it was always like this, but if I got this on VHS and that murder sequence alone, I would probably be like telling everybody I knew about this and making yeah, them watch at least that sequence. Watch this fucking movie, guys. It's fucking... This is real. At least real this shit. sequence, right. We should probably move on, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So back in the garage, the cars are starting to run, and the wife starts getting the, you know, fucking carbon monoxide poisoning. So um, not good. That, uh, that's uh, that's that's never going to be a good thing, you know, carbon monoxide poisoning. That typically kills you. Um, and this feels kind of campy again, like a kid's horror movie, the way that they're doing it where she's going to suffocate, and it might be ghosts or supernatural powers. Yeah. But it's corny a little bit. And it feels kind of tongue in cheek compared to what we just watched, and it's really off putting. Yeah, yeah, you really start to um, get the the full on kind of weight of this movie, and like you realize this movie's going to keep you guessing. Yeah, it shifts. Yeah, it shifts tone and just like doesn't yeah. even bother to warn you. And I just wanted to point that out. Pretty much all the stuff involving her being haunted and him being haunted or looking at stuff is kind of cornball and kids movie like and a little cheesy and tongue in cheek. But the stuff with the murderous cult when they're all on their own is really creepy and very serious and very old school horror movie and then the more the cult becomes involved with the people's lives the more serious in tone it gets and that's all the more we can really talk about it because if we start talking about how the tone shifts it'll get even more confusing for everybody so just kind of keep that in mind as we move forward yeah exactly just (laughs) <laughs> Everyone kind of know that that shit is 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 there, and that's how what's a uh, you know what they're doing, right? <laughs> it just leaves you constantly off kilter, and you're just kind of wondering what the fuck is going on. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's for lack of a better word, that's that's about it. Uh, <laughs> so, um, 
And then, uh, so anyway, then the group, they're cleaning up the bodies, and like I said, now this is where you get a really good look at the Nazi soldier enjoying a cigarette after that. Um, then, uh, cut back to the wife, and as she is, uh, choking to death, she sees her aunt in one of the cars. Uh, but then the husband gets in there and carries the wife out, and that ends that 20 minutes. We've already kind of talked about everything that we needed to do, so we can just yeah. roll on. Because the moment that we needed to talk about happened right there, so we talked about it. Yeah, that's true. So that should be really all that needs to happen there. Yeah, because it doesn't explain anything more that's happening. We don't know why they have to kill because of this. We don't see them like they're, they're, they're the reason why they have to do this or why the aunt killed herself and why they're still expecting her to come back, even though we get an idea of what's going on and maybe all of these people already have done the same process if you catch my drift. Yeah, right. Like it's all heavily hinted at, but the film's like, I don't know, figure it out on your own. Fuck you. Watch this next weird what, shit. What, what the fuck do you want from me? A storyline? Just sit down and watch the fucking movie, asshole. This is the, like, yes, the plot line yes, is sir. the plot line is essentially this. You're having a nightmare and this is the film that you see. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's that sounds about right. Um so uh, we start the next 20 minutes, uh, dudes, we see a nice little opening shot of the lead orchestra person's severed head. It looked great. Yeah, that looked pretty gnarly. Looked good. Um, and they are burning the bodies. The butchery and burning of the bodies is grotesque, and it goes Especially on- Especially because they're playing their instruments while they're doing yeah, it. Yeah, and like in a mocking way, too. Yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. it's so morbid and just so it brings you down. Like it really does. Like it becomes. It really, really does. You're like, oh, these guys just came to play some music, and you've taken you that are... beauty out of the world for your own selfish ends. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly that's... what I was thinking as they were burning the bodies and chopping them up, and like just watching the waste and just how yeah. grotesque it was to just watch these people so joylessly cut them up. They're not even enjoying this part of it. It's just the tactile part they have to do. Well, it kind of they're enjoying it. I mean, the kind of the simple guy, as they put him, uh, he's laughing all the way while cutting them up and making them feel like shit. So I don't know, man. <laughs> Does it feel good? Does it feel good to watch this? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty grotesque and gruesome. And like, once again, we shifted the tone so dramatically where we're like, what the fuck? This is yeah, really I mean, morbid. Then you went from, oh, we just had this heroic moment. That was still kind of cheesy of the cars all of a sudden starting and now the lady's going to die or whatever. And then all of a sudden it got horrifically grotesque and scary. So <laughs> Yeah, and the way that they are splitting the joints of the people, like the way that they're actually carving them up is how you would bisect an arm, you know, removing it at the shoulder and then going, yeah. you know, working your way through the elbow to be able to bisect it and make it a smaller package and that kind of stuff. Like you watch them doing it and they're doing it so accurately to where the butchery is just so like like matter of fact and not even a problem with them. They don't do it like it, it's so realistic is what I'm getting at. Like it just kind of, yeah, it's so kind of disturbing too. where like for a second, I was thinking, are they chopping up an actual body there? Cause that looks really fucking real. Yeah. <laughs> and then I back just really is sad. You're just like, Oh God. Yeah. And then I backed it up and I'm like, no, the film's just really being effective in these moments, but like it's constantly undercutting and stuff by cutting back to our main characters. I think that's its fault is these main characters yeah. are an albatross around their neck for the rest of the yeah. movie like it drags everything else down and makes it feel so corny yeah i can see that yeah definitely jesus christ um all right so then the wife she's packing up her shit she wants to get out that's our next clip i almost died carbon monoxide poisoning car lights switch on and off engines start by themselves 
And I swear, that was my aunt I saw behind the wheel of that Bugatti. Oh, come on, Helen. Try to be realistic. Damn it, Bob, it was her. All right, all right. But how can we leave with all this money just lying around? And where were you last night? Looking for it? Now try to be calm, okay? I'm sorry, but how can I be calm after last night? I found a trap door in the kitchen. It led to this really strange cellar. Yeah? Well, last night I went down there. Well, if you didn't find the money, don't bother to tell me about it. All I found were piles of rotten food. Yeah, so what does that mean? I don't know. I guess they never eat. Oh, you see? Normal. Like everything else around here. Come on, Helen. Can't you see that they're just trying to scare us away from the money? Well, they've succeeded. Now we're packed. Let's go. Look, how can we just walk away from all of this? We were happy before all of this. Well, that was before all this. Things are different now. Don't you care about what happened to me last night? Of course I care. All right. You can leave. But I'm staying until I find the money. I remember once at Wimbledon. I almost lost the match in the third set. I mean, the odds were really against me, but I didn't give up. I can't give up. Okay, honey. If you stay, I stay. I don't care. I want you to come immediately. I want you to evict these people. And I also demand to know where my aunt kept her money. I don't know where her money's. Well, you should. The important thing is that they leave immediately. I'll be there tonight. I don't think I can stand one more night in this place. Sure you can. Hey, hey, here, let me. Just relax, all right? Everything's going to be fine. It's okay. Good morning. Well, good morning. I don't see what's so good about it. I fixed you a nice breakfast. Louis cut these roses especially for you. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm. Listen, Lisa, tell me. The abandoned house across the street? Yes. Who has the keys? I've never heard anything about any keys. You have no idea? No. All right. Thank you. Bob, look at this. Stuart Whitmore. I knew I heard his name before. He was a mediocre novelist. Was? 1924 to 1982. According to this, he died six years ago. That's absurd. Well, you want to see for yourself? He committed suicide while a patient at a clinic in Devonshire, Pennsylvania. That was the nut house that Aunt Catherine was locked up in. David Hume, 1930 to 1980. Gertrude Stein, 1934 to 1982. Jack Ritchie, 1942 to 1981. Reverend Flaherty, 1925 to 1979. They all committed suicide while they were at that asylum. What about Dr. Anderson? He was the director of the psychiatric ward. 
And he commits suicide, too. Oh, this has got to be some kind of plan. I'm telling you, they are just trying to scare us off. Look, I tell you what. I'll go and talk to them, and I'll see what I can find out, okay? I don't want to stay here by myself. Just lock yourself in the bedroom, all right? You'll be fine, I promise you. I love you. Bob? What? What did happen when you were three sets behind at Wimbledon? I lost. So he lost. Maybe he should take a key on that and get the fuck out of here. Um, so we kind of see this book has pictures of all the people who are in the house currently. And this book says these motherfuckers all died. So shit. <laughs> all right now we have it confirmed what we were kind of suspecting but yeah when they murder the people they don't murder the people to consume their flesh so we don't know if they're you know yeah. like ghouls or zombies or vampires or even werewolves or like what what the fuck they even are and why they're existing all we know is they somehow all died or are presumed dead and they're all back from the dead and yeah. they have an overwhelming urge that they have to kill people as part of their therapy but again we don't know why yes these are these are facts <laughs> spitting straight truth yeah um so if you're looking for an explanation as to why they have to murder just forget it right now because you're not yeah, gonna we don't it. have that you're yeah it's 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 not coming it hasn't yet and it fucking won't so just just drop that just forget yeah. it other than just being grateful to actually watch them wantingly and cruelly massacring a room for the shocking horror of it you know like yeah yeah like that's like come on yeah the film's not interested in explaining why they're just going to show you all of this and it's just like these collections of vignettes or scenes or variations on a theme that they're they're running through with this and then there is kind of a through line where very clearly our main couple that are here are still in danger they're in a physical threat from these whatever they are creatures living in the house that are back from the dead but there's also some kind of a spiritual haunting happening with the aunt it appears trying to murder the niece who was given the house but we don't know why yeah and the husband is just literally running around digging for gold everywhere everywhere anywhere he thinks he can find it yeah and he <laughs> literally is saying that everything has changed because we have the chance to be rich and that is all that matters to him he's literally saying that to his wife yeah yeah these are these are truths you're saying saying a lot of truths <laughs> but this is all not actually a story. This is just all things that we know we have been shown. This is not yeah. a, anything that is really shaping up to be a through line story just yet. Other than these people that are the murderers are somehow involved in some kind of weird occult like activity that brings them back from the dead. And the aunt is involved and she is next to return. That's all we know. Yeah. These the, again, more facts. The closest so, to a story that we have is that. Yes, that is literally it. Anyway, uh, we see the peeps were listening in on the call that they were having with the lawyer. And, um, and as I said, all the pics in the book, they match with all those people who are in the house now. As the husband leaves, he talks to the maid. He's outside. He wants to go check out that house that's uh, that was the aunt's favorite that they can't get into. He's looking for. He keeps asking her about the key, and she's like, I don't know where it is. And, and then she's like, yeah, you know, uh, she wants to bone him. She, she offers, and he's like, yeah, I probably would have to talk to my wife about that. And she's like, oh, well, and she, she said she's heading off to the, uh, to a sermon being done by the Reverend. And then, um, 
she's like, if you do find the keys to the house, she says, I wouldn't suggest going in there. Uh, you know, she goes, I wouldn't go in there if I were you. That's all she says. So, anyway, we have church going on. They're singing some hymns. Then we see the husband. He's looking for the key, but he finds some of the or- somebody from the orchestra, some of their stuff. Uh, did it look like a hairpiece? Yeah, it was a toupee. Yeah, it, it was a toupee. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, the reverend starts his sermon, and that's our next clip. As you know, Mrs. Boyle will soon be in our midst. And by that time, we should have carried out her instructions regarding Helen. We cannot allow them to evict us or tolerate more strangers here. Mrs. Boyle wants to share this place with only us. And if Mrs. Boyle doesn't return? There is no difference between Mrs. Boyle and us. Remember, we also went through a gradual period of adjustment. She'll return. Welcome, Mr. Hewitt. Welcome to our little sanctuary. I'd like to talk to you. Oh. I found this. I assume it doesn't belong to any of you. What are you implying, Mr. Hewitt? There are just two things that I'd like to know. First, why are you trying to scare us off? Scare you? I'm surprised at you, Mr. Hewitt. Why should we do that? On the contrary, we hope you will never forget your stay here with us. <laughs> there are just too many strange things going on around here. What do you mean? Mr. Hewitt, we're a peace-loving group who've chosen to live our lives apart from the outside world. Does any of us look as if he wants to frighten anyone? What can we do to put your mind at ease? I tried to be friendly, but he wasn't interested. Get this straight, everybody. No matter what you do, we are not leaving until we get what we came for. We hope that you'll remain with us to eternity. Mrs. Boyle said you probably would, isn't that right, Doctor? (laughs) Or at least that your very attractive wife would. What else would you like to ask us? It's about Mrs. Boyle's money, isn't it? Exactly. It's only fair you should be informed. Very fair. The money does exist, my son. Eight million dollars. Eight million? (laughs) There's a sparkle in your eye, Mr. Hewitt. Greed, is it? (laughs) Well, let me assure you, we're not interested in that money. But we know where it is. Well, where? Greed, Mr. Hewitt, greed. Don't worry. The money belongs to you. No one will take it. Raz sure loves to fucking play around with the seven deadly sins, like somebody making a specific choice, and then boom. Like, that's their damnation, and that's their downfall, you know? Yeah, right? Just like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, we see this dude really now, his eyes are wide for for that money. It's, uh... Eight million dollars. Yeah, so they pretty much know that he will sell out his wife to them for the eight million dollars, and that's what that conversation was. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, the dude gets back to the room and he tells the wife that he struck a deal with the people. They'll give them those people the house. That's all they want. 
and the couple will get the money. Later on, that group meets to decide who will kill the lawyer who's coming. They decide to let Moses Boyle decide. So to do that, they went ahead and they uh, had everyone get a lit candle. And then all of a sudden, the candles kept being blown out until the last one stayed lit, and it was the blind guy. Uh, so anyway, you see the lawyer driving that night. All of a sudden, he sees the blind guy standing in the mode. He pulls around to miss him. He gets out, sees no one there, tries to get back in his car to start it, nothing starts. So he gets out, he opens up the hood, doesn't see anything, closes it, there's the blind guy, he uh, he has a knife that comes out of his walking stick, and he kills the lawyer with it, and uh, that ends that 20 minutes and leads us into the final 20. Alright, so the film does give us a little bit of explanation about them definitely being back from the dead, and that there was like this adjustment period or whatever, and they, they kind of discuss some of the things that we had questions for, but all it really does is just leave us with more questions, and doesn't really answer anything and it's being i feel like kind of a bit just obtuse about it on purpose like you know you're supposed to figure it out or think of whatever you want it to be just as long as you accept the fact that they are for whatever reason back from the dead and the doctor's involved and it's all because of this asylum something's going on and you're just kind of they they do tell you a little bit more as it kind of goes but basically you've you've learned at this point that the doctor was experimenting on these people and he found a way to make people come back from the dead by experimenting on mental patients yeah i mean that's basically what the film heavily implies (laughs) and then comes right out and tells you you know at this point like it right you know shortly after this if not right at this point it comes right out and tells you the exact same thing and so all of these people must have been what like mentally ill with some type of need for violence or this uncontrollable compulsion for violence so because they're immortal they get to indulge every now and then Maybe, or maybe that's just how they, yeah, they almost, uh, maybe like the purge type thing. Yeah, once every once in a while, they'll listen to an orchestra, then kill the orchestra, and it helps purge them of their, their hate and anger. But like, how long can you continue to have people at your house that mysteriously disappear afterwards? That's what I was thinking. Like, and they, it seems to always be an orchestra. How many orchestras are they doing? And you might want to chickety check yourself before you wreck yourself, bitch. Yeah, it gets it gets weird. And if you start to look in just a little too close with everything, you're not going to have as much fun. But if you just kind of like watch it on the surface at this point, after it does that weird shocking twist, and just kind of let it be, where you're like, whatever is going on is going on. I'm just gonna just gonna watch this and see what happens. Yeah. I think you have a hell of a lot more fun because the film's not really that into trying to explain anything it just wants to show you all this weird twisted stuff and you can kind of follow along however you want and it's clear they're monsters it's clear that they have to kill people we don't know why but they have some kind of a compulsion but apparently they can control it for who knows how long and we don't know how long they go between murdering and we don't know if it has any kind of like vampiric feeding or anything like that and we don't know why this aunt who states outright to hate the sister that the niece was born from why she wants her around because she reminds her of the sister now is not clear either except maybe the aunt wants this daughter to suffer we don't know because the people are extremely cruel to her but not to the point of actually harm Arming her yet but we don't know why yeah <laughs> it is um so weird yeah that's about <laughs> as close as i'm going to be able to sum up what's going on right now for everybody yeah pretty true um start out the final 20 uh or final 30 whatever you want to say it wife she hears her aunt calling to her that night uh she she wakes up um as she's going through she gets grabbed and she jumps into the pool and they take off her robe and we have this kind of weird 
fucking nudity scene. I don't know if it's supposed to excite or what, but okay. So her swimming feels a little gross. Her swimming underwater separated from the gawking awfulness. That is the people above the pool that are tormenting her. Yeah. The sequences are quite spectacular and it's really quite great to get to watch her body like that. If you can detach yourself from what is actually happening in the movie and just enjoy the sequence for that, then yeah, the titillation is great. But when you can't detach yourself from that, it makes it that much more uncomfortable and you feel that much worse for her because she is so much more vulnerable and this is so fucking disgusting what they are doing to her. Agreed. Yeah, it's bad. But the film is clearly filming it in such a way as to make it titillating for you as well. And that's the confusing shift in tone from above water to below water shots is really kind of not fun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, the husband wakes up and he heads down there to go save her, uh, fights off a dog. And then, you know, the group, however, gets a hold of him and they start all stabbing him, killing him, it seems. Uh, Not to spoil everybody, but there's a particularly lack of blood here that you know, I think they're trying to give even the viewer a hint as to what was coming. I noticed because, it too, but I thought they were yeah. running out of money, so I was letting oh, it slide. Could be, yeah. I mean, I didn't think of that. I was just like, huh, they, they've been pretty liberal with the blood, but now they're not? No, I noticed And the it, husband just being a, a money-grubbing I no- fucking... I noticed it too for the, for the exact same reasons, but I thought, hmm, maybe they ran out of money because they spent all the blood on the murdering and chopping up yeah, of the orchestra. That's true. Well, of course, the wife freaks, and she just kind of sinks low into the water. And there she sees her aunt just sitting there, uh, <laughs> you know, just kind of uh, sitting down at a table underneath the water. So it's kind of a funny little thing to see. You're like, huh, that's that's interesting. I don't know if that's something that I should be concerned about, but probably. Um, yeah, we don't know what this is supposed to represent, but I'm guessing this is how they will birth her back maybe, out. Like yeah. Maybe this is like some kind of this has something to do with the proposed resurrection. But yeah, it's just this really off putting, bizarre, surreal thing to see that like my brain just went. Nope. Nope. I'm uh, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, there, uh, I'm done. I was like, OK, now I, I don't know. Whatever you're saying, yeah, I'm not I don't want any of that. Yeah, no. <laughs> you uh, you all leave me alone and leave me out of this. That's creepy. Uh, that shit I'm going to fucking have to live with. So anyway, um, the group then straps her down to a bed. It seems that they begin injecting her with something. I don't know what. And it's never really explained at all. Um, and then, uh, they do say they're preparing her for the same procedures that they went through. So I believe that she is being set to become immortal like them with this, but, or is it something else here? I I, I got, I got to think, but yeah, they're, they're definitely prepping her for what was ever done to them. Yeah. Um, then she sees her aunt. And she's like, her aunt's like telling her she'll, they'll be together forever soon. And that this has like, you know, uh, nothing too weird is happening, not to worry about it. Um, just a ton of shit like that, you know, just like, Hey, you know, don't worry about it. We're going to be together forever. Death's like just a fucking abstract thought or some shit like that. And. So, okay, there you go. All right. That's, that's also creepy, but all right. Basically all the kind of fucked up, weird, psychotic things you do not want to hear someone who is ranting about say right as they have you strapped to a table while procedures are about to happen. Yeah. Right. There you go. Uh, so then we see the aunt, uh, kind of like outside is almost like she's in a car right outside the, the whole place. And so, Hey, that's, that's must be nice. 
uh, maybe the aunt's home. Then the wife wakes up and she goes out and she sees the group and that is our next clip. Come in, Mrs. Hewitt. Please, come in. You should have stayed in bed. I can see you're going to be a difficult and disobedient patient. I'm not sick. Of course you are. All living creatures are. That's why they wither and die. Where's my husband? Don't you remember? We had to kill him last night. No. But you saw what happened. Oh, no. My God. But why? We were merely following your aunt's instructions. My aunt is dead. They gave me ration. And what does that matter? The mind can transcend death. We only utilize 5% of our mental capacity. With the help of modern chemistry, once the material is left behind, chaos ceases and order reigns over the universe. You can attain the highest form. Stuart Whitmore. The newspaper said that you were a patient in a mental institution. You killed yourself. Of course. We all commit suicide at the Devonshire. And you too must participate in Dr. Anderson's therapy, my dear. I was an ordinary psychiatrist when your aunt was committed. You know the case history. Two sisters in love with the same man. She abandoned your aunt for your mother. What does that have to do with all of you? Your aunt's mind could never recuperate from being abandoned. She sponsored my research and purchased the Devonshire Clinic so that I have a place to experiment. I conducted about a dozen tests unsuccessfully till the Reverend Flaherty became my first triumph. And I shall always be grateful to you, Doctor. Your aunt constructed eight manners for us. And no one will ever throw us out. Catherine decorated this house as if she were going to live here with her beloved. When your father died right after you were born, she brought him here to be with her. He used to come every night to read his favorite books and listen to his beloved music. Okay. And they take her into a room where you see Daddy Dearest reading a paper. Uh, they move the paper and Daddy Dearest is a rotting fucking corpse. Of massive fucking proportions. So do with that what you will. Uh, it's all dried up and we're supposed to believe this is like grandpa in Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Anyway, she uh, she she runs away and uh, they give chase and she locks herself into a certain part of the house and uh, grabs a hatchet. One of the guys, I think it's a Nazi guy, tries to get his hand in there. She lops that motherfucker off and that was pretty cool. Uh, and also good job. Good job. Yeah, uh, it got some more faith from me where I'm like, okay, I think I can finish this because I was starting to feel kind of like, oh boy, what's going on? Yeah. You know, as she runs away and she thinks she's, you know, escaped or anything, she actually gets caught again. And again, they have her in bed and she wakes up and the maid's there reading a magazine and she's able to grab a syringe, stab the maid in the neck and she, she runs off. Um, so, uh, she, she makes herself get away and she runs back into that room where dad's reading the paper. And all of a sudden she's like, um, she, she sees him moving. 
So she takes off the paper, and it's her husband. She quickly fucking passes out, as one would when you are confronted with the man you loved and you thought he was dead and he apparently is not. This whole sequence was also shot with those very weird fisheye, like, distorted, really trippy yeah. lens. There's some of it has, like, smoke in it where it gets really, really out there and trippy. Like, they're really trying to show you that they're pushing her beyond the limits. So I think part of the process is you have to lose your touch with reality in order for this to work. Which I, th- or, I, th- I think. Well, actually, they kind of explain it. And believe it or not, it's the group comes in and they explain it in our final clip. Awesome. Perfect, Mr. Hewitt. I'm certain this drastic shock has destroyed your wife's defenses. Conscience bothering you, Mr. Hewitt? Guilt is only a state of mind, Mr. Hewitt. <laughs> Forget about it. You promised me you wouldn't harm her. We won't. I've lived up to my end of the bargain. Eight million dollars should help you get over your worries. And where is the money? In due time, Mr. Hewitt. I want my money now. I don't like to be threatened, Mr. Hewitt. You'll get it in due time. You're very greedy, aren't you? I used to be like that. We'll give you the money after your wife commits suicide. Suicide? There's nothing to worry about, Mr. Hewitt. Suicide's a voluntary act, she'll understand. She'll do it happily. You've helped us immeasurably. Her treatment has been advanced now by at least a month. Your wife had one of the most resistant minds I've ever encountered. Look, you crazy son of a bitch. If anything happens to my wife... And what will you do, Mr. Hewitt? You'll get the money tomorrow. And we hope you'll be able to enjoy it for as long as you live. That's not ominous as fuck. And so, yeah, they are trying to drive her crazy because it's part of the process, right? Like they're trying to break her mind. Yeah, but they're trying to break her down so she commits suicide. That must be an important part of it. You have to commit suicide. They just can't murder you. Yeah, apparently. So, uh, anyway, uh, fuck this guy. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, all of this um, is fucking horrible. And like, that- and then, he's, then he gets all indignant. You better not do anything to my wife. Dude, you just gave up your wife for money. I mean, who the fuck do you think you are, you piece of shit? Yeah, he went along with all of them for this, and um, clearly they are disturbed and something is very wrong with them, you know? Yeah. And yeah, the indignity stuff is like horse shit, and I love how they don't even let him pretend. Yeah, they're like, what are you going to do about it, bitch? We own you now. (laughs) Well, they're more or less are just basically saying, like, trust me, this is how it has to be. I just love the priest. You are greedy, aren't you? Look at you. Look at you. You Barely can wait to get that money together. (laughs) Yeah, and it's obvious why he's such a piece of shit, and I think he's just pretending to be indignant as an excuse to demand the money sooner. I think that's all it is. Probably. I think he is running because I think he is... He's he's having some issues with his conscience. I do believe that. Uh, He's still an asshole, but I think he's having issues with his consciousness. Or his conscience, I'm sorry. Right, he's having buyer's remorse, but he still wants the money anyway. He wants the money, but he knows that... He knows he's kind of fucked up, you know? He's like, oh, shit. Probably... Probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, well, yeah. I think he was hoping he could get the money and then rescue his wife. Yeah. But or, it's clearly I mean, not going to happen. He got shocked way. by knowing that they're going to kill her. Although, I mean, what else he thinks they would have been doing, I don't fucking know. But 
all right, you know, well, well, I guess whatever you need to, you know, sleep at night. But it be it seems like that's definitely probably something that was going to happen was she was going to be killed. Yeah. Again, it's not explained in detail as to why he would make this decision or why all of a yeah. sudden he's flipped over um, to being indignant about it all. We are all filling in the blanks as we are mentioning this, trying to figure it out because the film just shows it to you and says, yeah, that happened. Yeah. The husband we see staring off. He's having a hard time with life right now, uh, as he should. He uh, goes out and he's like runs out of the room. He kind of is walking around. He sees uh, one of the the kind of the the special needs character, if you will. He's uh he's digging a grave, so he fights with him and then uses a bit of shovel to cut his head off. That was so, gruesome and cool. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty all right. I've uh I've seen worse shit, right? Yeah, I mean that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the effects aren't like uh, most amazing shit I've ever seen in my life, but are actually pretty gruesome and pretty realistic enough and don't get held on all that long except for the severed head from the one musician. But that looked like an actual dead head enough to where I was kind of concerned. Yeah, right. I was like, oh, what are we watching here? Um, yeah, this one isn't as realistic of a dead head, but that guy had a very uh, unique shape to his face and head, and it would be very hard to replicate as realistically as the music musician was yeah right um so anyway then we see the reverend is doing a ceremony uh we see the wife is there she's kind of in a trance he has a razor blade there and he's telling her to kill herself uh she's taken up she's getting ready to cut her own throat but before she can the husband breaks in tells her to stop uh he fights with the reverend before throwing him through a window uh one of the other women gets up but the wife grabs her and cuts her throat and kills her and we see the reverend is also dead um they leave but she's like the doctor escaped but won't be safe so as they're leaving the doctor actually tries to attack him husband and the doctor get thrown into the garage they fight uh the wife's trying to get in trying to get in finally the garage door opens up she's able to get in um we she finds her husband laying there it appears that he is dead she just goes ape shit on the cars that are running with uh with a some weaponry just starts busting the fuck out of them this was wrong uh, yeah yeah those are nice cars to do that too what they the were yeah um anyway later on we see she's on a plane uh she starts to try to light a cigarette because back then you could smoke on fucking planes all of a sudden we see a hand that has been reattached to a wrist light her cigarette and as she gets up she sees everyone from the house is on the plane either as a passenger or they're working the plane as she turns to run up the aisle she's stopped by a man dressed as a pilot and is the doctor she screams turns around she sees her aunt sitting in a chair waves at her smiling that was creepy as fuck she screams roll credits Why is that real? Was all of this a dream? Is all of this a nightmare? What does this have to do with what was set up beforehand? Did they actually get away from the house? How did they get on the plane? I don't fucking know, man. Well, obviously the husband's dead because he's not even with her on this plane. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, um, I think they, they, they have found immortality, so they just can't die. But then do they possess other bodies but then take their form? And was she the niece not getting set so she could live forever, but so that the aunt could take her body. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I don't know either. Is that the case? Um, are they all just in her imagination? Do they need her to live? Like, is she like a battery for them to draw yeah, life or from? It, or is this just the aunt wanting her because she was supposed to be her daughter? You remember, 
the the aunt would take mom's toys when they were kids. Yeah, so I think that's what's going on too. I do agree with you yeah. there. I, I think maybe so maybe the aunt the lady will live forever, just like the aunt wants her to. And it's just because the aunt wants her. Well, and the aunt's basically like, I'm your mother now. You're going to be my daughter. I'm going to gift yeah. you immortality, but you have to be my daughter. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess. That's, yeah. That's a, it's got to be something like that, right? That's the closest <laughs> I came to understanding what the fuck may possibly be going on here. I, I really don't know. Um, yeah, I don't either. The film is certainly not in any way, shape or form interested in trying to explain it to you. Um, no. Uh, everything that we've conveyed is just basically this is what was happening in the film. This is as close to what we can figure as what we are being shown. And uh, whether or not that constitutes a final story or outcome. I mean, you could just easily say that this this woman will be haunted by these beings and they live through her forever. Oh God, that's even worse. <laughs> Jesus. Like, you know, she's physically going, they will live through her and like, it's like a, they, they pass it down through the relative or something like that, like that, yeah. you know? And so any children that she may have will also suffer from this too. Oof. That is, that is some next level horribleness right there. <laughs> right. Or it could just be that they followed her because they don't die and they keep coming back and they can even have their limbs stitched back together and they're just going to keep coming at you. Yeah. Death becomes her style. <laughs> that is also a possibility. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, <laughs> it could be just about anything. I mean, I like the fact that the film's not interested in explaining that to me, but at the same yeah. time, I still kind of want somewhat of a, I need little places I can throw hooks into the movie that I can kind of like anchor myself to and, and follow what the fuck is going on. Sort of yeah, like you want something like uh, I need, uh, I need attachment points that plot out the film. I need, give me a map and I, I need plot points in my story to yeah. follow a film. You get what I'm saying? No, I get you. I get what you're saying. I understand you. Yeah. I don't feel <laughs> as an audience member requesting that your narrative film that is trying to tell a story possess plot points for me to be able to follow. Yeah. I um I believe I am owed some plot points. Uh <laughs> <laughs> when you are telling me a story, you need to be able to let me lose myself within that story and follow along. And if you continue to be hostile towards me and say fuck you at every turn with shifting your tone and your style of storytelling and then also deny me a through line that I can follow, I have to figure one out on my own from just everything that I'm being shown. I find your film so frustrating and so disturbing and something I can't stop thinking about, but not in the ways that you want. Yeah, I feel very hurt. <laughs> I feel very frustrated with you, film. I really, really do. Because what Me you too. gave, you gave so much when you were giving, but when you were taking away, you took so much more. Right? Oh my God. <laughs> it's just like, I, I really, really liked a good chunk of this movie, but there's so much of it that bogs that shit down too. That's surrounding it. And it's just, yeah. I mean, like it's a fucking slog to get through. And I don't, I don't know if going past that initial slaughter is worth the trouble for some of it. I think like just yeah. make it to that slaughter. And if you want to abandon ship just after that, I guess I would. That's really early in the movie. That slaughter. Right. But like, I honestly like it won me back over, but then like it constantly told me to go fuck myself from the rest of the story. And it was like, there were some moments that were really cool and were really, really creepy. Absolutely. But like the film was not interested in trying to keep you on task at all. No. 
No, it was very much an ADHD film. Jesus Christ, I rewound it so many fucking times thinking that I missed something. And I was like, yeah. no, no, yeah. that's just, I was like, was there, so, I was worried something wrong was wrong with the Blu-ray because of the Yo. way things <laughs> jumped around in some points too. Like I actually, I would go through and I would, I would skim at like two times speed, just go backwards and forwards to make sure that shit wasn't skipping, you know? And that's yeah. the way it was supposed to be. There was a couple of moments when I was legit, like, are you fucking with me? Like, is that the horror is that I can't figure out what the fuck is going on and I'm going to be disoriented. <laughs> like, can you imagine renting this on VHS as a kid and like, oh God. and like wondering if somebody dubbed over your fucking movie? Yeah. You're like, what the fuck? I mean, it's the same movie I could tell, but. What am I missing here? <laughs> Did the tape break? Like you're checking the tape to see if somebody just taped it back together, right? Yeah. Like, Ugh. oh man, it's just, it's so frustrating and so confusing and it's so disinterested in trying to keep any kind of a solid through line of any sort. Even if it's just a visual through line that you're just sort of following a person, you know, yeah. in, a, in a lost world of nothingness. You know, like in the most nihilistic view of, of whatever, like if you're just, you still have something that you're following along with. And this film just jumps around so much and loses focus so much and is so like spastically edited that it becomes an endurance run and it almost dares you to finish it. And then it fucking outright tries to stop you from watching it before the end. Yeah, right. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's like, ah, I dare you to try to stay watching this movie. You're not going to, and you're not going to have any fun doing it either. Yeah, like, the the way that it jumps around in the narrative is so much, like, it escalates by the end of it. To the point where, like, yeah. I, like I said, like, when you said that they're on the plane, I'm like, hey, wait, what? They got out of the house? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Huh? But then I was remembering it. I'm like, no, I backed it up in the movie. That's exactly how it happens. Like all of a sudden, boom, she's on a plane. She's 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 wrecking fucking everything, and then boom, she's on a plane. (laughs) Right. I I don't know what else to tell you after that. Yeah. This film is just so frustrating and confusing and bounces around everywhere. And like I said, it's a fucking endurance run. And, you know, I would say just watch that initial slaughter because I don't know if it ever gets that great again. But if you want to see just how much you can fucking stand, go for it. Because, like, it it is. It's try it. I don't think I'm going to watch all of this ever really again unless it's with an audience so that we can all but groan how confusing it is together. Like, this would be a fun group. I won't be. Yeah, there's no way I can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just don't think I have it in me. Like, I just, this film just really challenges you to even want to make you finish it. Like, it really, really wants you to feel just something's wrong the entire time and disoriented. It definitely wants you to feel bad about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of things that make me feel bad about myself, let's take a little break here and we'll have some PSYOP news.
for those of you listening to the Pirate Radio Edit, that's definitely Patsy Cline and Fall Two Pieces. And that's a beautiful song. I don't care if you're in the country or not. you got to enjoy it because it's a beautiful fucking song. That, yeah, that is, that is definitely a nice song. <laughs> well, let's fix the folks that are tired of hearing this nice, beautiful song by Patsy Cline and wreck their world with some Psyop News. This is like um, traces of death fucked a porno. That too. Um, so we can go with, uh, you know what? I think we're going to go with this one. It's seen. What's with all that asshole creep? Yeah. All right. We're going to go with, uh, this, this is from our boy, Chris. Uh, this is back from December 3rd. Okay. And you're sure it's at least of this year. Yes, it is definitely of this year. All right. So maybe we haven't done it. Yeah. I, I don't think we've done this one. Cool. So <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll take, uh, I'll take your word for it. Go for it. <laughs> all right. Um, woman caught breastfeeding her hairless cat on Delta flight. Pulling it just to pull it. <laughs> Kinda. Yeah, I guess. Um, anyway, a woman who took a Delta flight recently wasn't... Okay, <laughs> this is the New York Post and not me. Um... Vagina smells like dead body. That too. Uh, but anyway, uh, okay. A woman who took a Delta flight recently wasn't kitten around. Oh, boo. Yeah, yeah, they did that. That wasn't me. <laughs> no wonder they you wanted that. to do that. Always looking for Wang. <laughs> when she whipped out one of her breastuses and started uh, breastfeeding her cat, which um, I, I don't think is right, but, uh, you know, let's see here. Anyway, uh, the unidentified uh, female... Uh, flew from sorry to hell with flew the from Syracuse, New York to Atlanta, Georgia, where she was caught breastfeeding her feline on the plane. Yes, you can't have sex by sticking an erect penis into a vagina. That's what I heard. Um, so uh, a flight attendant told her repeatedly to stop and put her cat back in its cage. However, the woman refused. So repeatedly. She I was told. pee all over the place, but I cleaned it up. I don't know what they got a problem with. You didn't clean it up properly. Uh, a message was sent throughout the aircraft communications addressing and reporting system uh, to alert Delta crew in Atlanta that a passenger in seat 13A is, quote, breastfeeding a cat and will not put cat back in its carrier when flight attendant requested. That or they just had a bukkake mouth party. A photo of the message board was found on Reddit. It was posted on Twitter by author Rick Wilson. It's going to cost you some serious cock. Flight attendant Ainsley Elizabeth, who was on board during the incident, took to TikTok on November 13th to explain more of what went down, Newsweek reported. She stated this woman had one of those, like, hairless cats swaddled up in a blanket so it looked like a baby. Her shirt was up, and she was trying to get the cat to latch, and she wouldn't put the cat back in the carrier. And And the cat was screaming for its life. Elizabeth revealed in another video that security got involved. However, she's unsure of what happened to the woman and her cat once the jet touched down in Atlanta. The Delta employee who sent the alert message also requested that Delta's Redcoat team apprehend the woman once they got to the ground. Redcoats are the elite airport customer service experts, identifiable by their bright red, bright red coats. They are specially trained to handle on-the-stop customer issues, according to the Delta website. I mean, yes, we're looking for titties, but we want those titties wrapped in a heavy plot. 
Of course we do. The airlines, we are sophisticated men. Uh, the airlines website also outlines its uh, policies of women breastfeeding children. Delta fully supports a woman's right to breastfeed on board Delta and Delta Connection aircraft and in Delta facilities. Breast pumps are allowed on board. And free drugs. <laughs> at, the, at the airport, and if you prefer, many airports do offer private lactation rooms or spaces, the policy states. I hooked up Delta with a bad allows boy. Delta allows animals such as small dogs, cats, and household birds to board domestic flights, and they must be able to fit in a small ventilated pet carrier. Man, that's just the worst hand job ever. But Delta did go as far to say as they probably should combine those two. But, oh well. There you go. That was really fucking disturbing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because it seems like this is not something the cat wants to do, like, at all, and the mom was trying to force it with everybody within earshot of the howling and awfulness. Just yeah. just having the cat howling like that with her mishandling it is horrible enough. Fuck. Yeah, I agree. Having a cat but- be out and freaked out on a flight is not cool for all your other passengers, lady, let alone all of the disturbing, heavily sexually implied, weird breastfeeding a cat thing you're trying to do in front of other people. Yeah, it's bad. Um, and Delta didn't really combine those all. You know, he's like, we allow this and we allow this, but don't put your hands together. On the right hand, we allow breastfeeding, breast pumping, all our facilities and airliners. They're speciesist on, the, on what they allow for breastfeeding. On the, on our on our on our left hand, we completely allow small pets, dogs, cats, and birds as long as they can fit into a uh, a small carrier. Uh, with you know breathable holes and all that. Oh, I got it. I got Just it. Just don't put your hands together, please. No, I got it. That's <laughs> you ready for this? All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you aboard your flight. And uh, fuck, I can't believe I even have to say this anymore. No, Mary. No, fuck. I just I don't even fuck. No. Look, breastfeeding is allowed. Interspecies activities are not on this flight. So please, while breastfeeding, make sure that you are of the same species. Thank you. Well, uh, I see our, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you notice, the captain has uh, flipped on the seatbelt sign and the anti-breastfeeding your cat sign. So, if you can go ahead and put on your seatbelts and stop breastfeeding your uh, your uh, cats, uh, we'll be uh, landing in uh, Vegas in about the next 10 minutes. I can't believe that's the way that airline went. <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, we're, we're getting into town here about uh, 30 minutes earlier, thanks to the upwind. So <laughs> The only difference is if it was uh, Southwest, they would try and make jokes because all of them were stand-up com- comedians that did all the <laughs> announcements. <laughs> Southwest, like, who are these people breastfeeding their cats? <laughs> Have you heard about this? It's insane. It's, it's, it's insane. What's the deal with people that want to breastfeed their cats on a flight? Am I right? <laughs> if it's spirit your lights are like, well, as long as you pay, who gives a fuck? <laughs> I can understand if she were trying to bottle feed and there was a specific nutritional issue or something like that that made this some but kind of... But she's trying to make it latch onto a booby. Right. Like, this is the part where it becomes something more than what you should be doing in public. Because, yeah. like, it's one thing for a mother to breastfeed an actual child. And it's another thing for you to fully love your animals that also dwell within your house as your children because I very much love my cats as if they were my kids. It's the most I can actually afford to give emotionally speaking as far as having a child goes is 
having a cat. Like that's the best that I can muster up emotion emotionally listen, speaking. And even I am like, no, that's wrong. Don't fucking do that. Like listen, it's okay to love your cat. Don't breastfeed. Don't love your cat. <laughs> right. Like it this is not and like, again, I'm not saying you can't bottle feed a cat. I'm just saying like I don't think that human breast milk is something that's even necessarily good for a cat. It's definitely not. It can't have the nutrition that a cat needs. And it's definitely, definitely not okay to try and breastfeed a different species in front of other people. Yeah. That's not, yeah. that's not a normal thing to want to do. And I'm not saying like, I, I don't want to make this like super comedic because clearly something is wrong with this person to think that that's yeah, okay. She, 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 she has experienced some sort of trauma in her life or, that's causing some things. Or something. Yeah. Something is definitely wrong. There must be some kind of a chemical imbalance or something that, that caused behavior like this because this is not normal. This is like the gentleman that ran around the airport masturbating and breaking signs and shit. Yeah. You know, like something is yeah, very exactly, clearly yeah. wrong. And it's just such an aberrant behavior. I feel almost like when we do these stories, we're punching down a bit, man. That's kind of a bummer. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm just doing stories our listeners put out there. So I know, but like it, it's it, dude, I'm sorry, but almost every story we're going to do is going to be punching down. It, it could seem that way. Yeah. Like, oh my God, like you start to, you know, like it gets to a point where you just kind of, you, you start really wondering how much of more of your fellow man you're going to take pot shots at. But like, yeah. I don't know, is this mental illness or is this just some kind of voyeuristic thing? Like, wh- wh- It's really just definitely disturbing behavior and it's not normal and it definitely calls it's, for discussion. Yeah. But like, you kind of have to laugh at it because like, what the fuck? It's really out there. Yeah, but it, it's really out there. But at the same time, I really hope that if that person is mentally ill, they're going to get the help that they need after mm-hmm. this incident, because that is deeply disturbing and not something that I, I am prepared to really think about too heavily. You don't want to think about it, but yeah, I mean, the shit's out there, man. People are getting weird, and not only are they getting weird, they're bringing their weirdness out of the house. I guess where it becomes something that you can kind of be like, you know, giving them some shit for is like, don't do that shit in front of other people. Yeah, listen, I'm not exactly, we're not exactly making fun of the person who did this. We are commenting on the situation that it caused. Yeah, it's We're not punching down on the person. We are definitely commenting, and even the jokes we made were like, what the airline pilot would have done like they're they're what they would have said yeah. so i don't think we're punching down so much because we didn't really attack the person who actually did this we questioned why you would do such a thing but i think that's completely fucking normal yeah i don't know maybe i'm just feeling extra sensitive about shit because i do worry about that because you know people got enough shit to deal with but they don't need our dumb I, well, asses punching on them yeah i i get it but you know yeah but i'm just saying in that situation there, there are some things people do that are fucking just need to be talked about yeah behavior like this is definitely something that is something that you almost do have to make a joke about because how else can you process it because it is so far it, left of yeah, any of your normal process of thought you almost pray that this person's mentally ill somehow because if they're not that just means that we as a society have raised people to be dumb enough to think trying to breastfeed a cat is acceptable and plausible yeah if they're not mentally ill, like if a physician, a licensed physician goes, I've ran, you know, I've done every test you can to test for mental illness. They have none, but they have a very low IQ. Well, okay. Then you get made fun of a little bit because, you know, you didn't go to school. I'm sorry. 
just a little. But you hope it's mental illness because you hope that's not where we've fallen as a people. Yeah, I just don't know what else it possibly could be. And it's got to be mental illness. Yeah. And it's just, it's really like, I feel for like the people that are on the flight because it's like, how far forward do you keep trying to push like away from this person? Right. But then again, is it mental illness? Because then I get worried about it because we also have uh, millions and millions of people who think our election was fake. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, Those people could very well want to breastfeed a cat. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. I am horrified at the time that I am living in. Yeah, yeah this is this is necessarily one of the dankest of timelines right now. This is one of the darkest timelines ever. This is not this is not something we I thought I'd live. You know, I thought by now in 2021 we're gonna have flying cars and shit. But we got people trying to breastfeed cats. Pandemics. Pandemics, overthrow governments. Anti-maskers. I, mean, I saw someone post on the Cinema PsyOps page that Debbie Lovato sings to ghosts to help get over sexism. Yeah, that's that's that pretty much sums I, up our lives. Yeah, yeah, there you go, man. That's 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 for 20. No flying cars, but we got that. <laughs> so there you go. All right, fuck it. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
that is the Dave Clark Five, believe it or not, for those of you listening on the Pirate Radio edit, bits and pieces. For as old as that fucking song is, it's got some low fucking end, it's got some hardcore rock, and it feels raunchy and dirty and wrong, and I can't believe Dave Clark was involved with that shit. That sounded good, man. Yeah, wasn't that fucking amazing? For those of you listening on the Pirate rocking. Radio edit, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. fucking hey. But hey, these songs are stuff you can definitely find on YouTube, because let's be honest, that's where I found some of them. Fucking A. <laughs> so the U to the tube. So if you wanted to, you can recreate what I'm talking about on the main feed. You just have to tolerate the music I'm talking over top of right now on the main feed. If you want to mix and match the stuff yourself. <laughs> or you could just, you know, pay the what two bucks a month and you can get that feed access from Legion Podcasts and listen to exactly what I'm talking about as it's happening. Yeah. Fucking A, why not? If you want to find all the other previous instances where I've hardcore tried to pimp the Legion Patreon, you can find Find that at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast. That is our main landing and or launching page. And all 331 previous instances of me doing that are right there. <laughs> all those 330. Jesus Christ, that's a lot. 331 weeks in a, yeah. in a row, dude, consecutively in that we row. have done this fucking show. Let that sink in. Three in a row. 131 in a row. In a row. <laughs> Consecutive. We have been doing this fucking bullshit, man. How does that feel? Think about that. Like, let that weigh on you for a moment. That's what yeah. you've done for the last 331 That's weeks. Too much. Consecutively. Too much. I feel so dirty. <laughs> Well, another place where we try to post at least every workday, because we are all about the working man here at Cinema PsyOps, our yeah. Instagram. Alan, during your workday, I will supply you with memes on the Instagram feed there. Cinema underscore PsyOps during the workday. Only day. the highest of quality of the memes. Often for your, thrice. For the average working man. Sometimes quattro times per day. Damn, quattro times. That's well, it's, next level shit it, right well, there. Well, it's four at once, but I post them all at once or three at once. So, you know, but I, you get so you, you get at least three. Like you have a spectacular blow your load moment. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I just do shotgun memeing. So, so you edge yourself and then you just explode four memes all over the place. <laughs> usually just three. I've been I've been oh, keeping just it. Three? Yeah, oh. usually just three. Sometimes yeah. four. Just depends. Sometimes if you've really been edging lately, four. Yeah, it really just depends upon the tantric buildup before I go memeing. That's right. And then you're just. You're just ejaculating memes all over Instagram. Well, if you'd like to find another place where you can talk about all of this adult stuff and actually see pictures and or video of the things that he just described happening only with memes, that is Twitter. That is where they will twit literal twats at you yeah. all day. All the time, man. Tweets. Those porn bots will throw it at you. Yeah. I am at court underscore psy out there. That's where you're going to find me. I'm, everybody knows I'm not giving out mass. Let's just move on because I'm available yeah, on. on Facebook as court psyops. We have the group there, cinema psyops which the memes are shared to. The memes also get shared to Twitter. And those memes are, once again, three times daily because that's how I feel about you. I care enough to give you something during your work day. Yeah, just a good man. <laughs> just a good, honest man. Looking out for the honest working people out there. Unless it's my actual vacation and then maybe you won't get shit, but we're, we yeah, won't talk about that. Fuck that. <laughs> and if you want to know what my vacation is, I guess you can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. I'm not going to respond with a fucking bit of information about my vacation in any way, shape, or form there. No, man, that's way too personal. Why are you guys getting too personal? You people really need to learn boundaries. <laughs> well, while you're out there finding healthy boundaries between you and your podcaster, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch.
right, start recording. I have done so. One, two, three. Everything's coming through clear through the snowball microphone. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, do I, like, have to taskmaster you? Did you lose track of time or what, what was kind of happening there? Because I didn't hear from you for, like, until, like, I realized it was 745 myself because I was just waiting because I, th- I thought the ball was in your court on that. Uh, should I, no, should sorry I check, about that. Should I check in with you and stuff? Like, no, you, 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 know, you don't communicate. <laughs> so, like, I need yeah, you to I fucking communicate. communicate. better. You don't have to do it. I'll, I'll just get better at it. Like, even if it's, like, <laughs> fuck, I'm... I'm, you know, yeah, running late, something like that. Right. Yeah, I'll get better at it. And whatever, whatever the fucking reason is, like, even if you're like, dude, I was staring at this really cool fucking rock for like a half hour, and the next <laughs> thing I knew, it was 7:45. Like, even if that's the fucking reason, like, at least tell me like what's going on, because like when I don't the, hear from you, like I start yeah. feeling like you don't give a fuck, and then my anxiety the, makes me pissed. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I give a fuck. I'm sorry. I just really shit at communicating. <laughs> I'm like, well, get. <laughs> I'm, I'm really bad about it. Well, I gotta get better. Not, you know you're like the third person this week to talk to me about this. <laughs> I'm really not that surprised, man. I'm really not. <laughs> no, my mother. My mother has the same conversation with me. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It's. It is not that good. Yeah. yeah. Right. You hear that? Okay. Yep. All right. Let's fucking do it. We definitely played clip two already, right? Yeah. That was just clip two. Okay. I want to make sure. I'm good. Yep. All right. I forgot to delete um, it. <laughs> And that's our next clip. They aren't you glad I asked? Yeah. Just terrible fucking shit. And some really creepy so, looking albino fucking rats too. Yeah. 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 It was it's it's gross shit. Yeah. So it was really, really, really disgusting, mostly because it was all lettuce and that shit is gross. Yeah, lettuce is gross. I mean what the fuck it doesn't even have any nutrition to it. It's just fucking ridiculous. There's some nutrients to it. It's just you have to eat a whole lot of it to get all of it. Ah, <laughs> Um, Plus fiber. I know. Everybody needs fiber. I just really fucking hate lettuce, everybody. Everyone needs all that fiber. I begrudgingly... Matt's Um, seen me do it. I begrudgingly eat lettuce, and I'm, like, violent about it. I'm like, fucking salad. God damn it. He's like, he almost rather eat paper. (laughs) For the roughage, yeah. Yeah, for the roughage. That's just kind of awkward and shit. And creepy. Um, And creepy. You You shouldn't be doing that. That's fucked up. And so, anywho, um... Fuck, I just lost my place. Heavy breather on the phone. Yes. All right. Thank you. And if you can pull off a twist that you came up with in like the fucking like early 80s or whenever the fuck this was made, I'll have to look it up to know for sure again off the top of my head. So I'm just going to do that real fucking fast and talk like this the entire goddamn time and turn it all into an outtake until I look up the year 87. So <laughs> good job. The way that they do that good shot. Cover. And also remember, uh, it's never sad when a Nazi's hand gets lopped off. Never something to be sad about. You should never feel bad about hurting Nazis. No, no, they're they're dregs on society, and they shouldn't be around anymore. So, anywho, I I, I don't really feel bad about saying that. <laughs> Did I respond? Move on. Well, yeah, all right. So, um, anyway, uh, did I say that was our final clip? Uh, it should have been, because that was the last one. Yeah, I, I, all right. I'm just going to say it, and if you can plug it in if I didn't, because I might have just said our next clip. And that's our final clip. He's a uh, he's a he's a giant piece of shit, and uh, he uh, ooh, sorry, <clears throat> and he, he needs to deal with these kind of fucking problems.
while you're out there finding healthy boundaries between you and your podcaster, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. <laughs> Finally, you give me something to bounce off of, and that Boom. was like a trampoline. Yeah, that was a good one. That felt good. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. All right. I've stopped recording.